Blooming Inspired Network, empowering the voices of women to lead as they live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast and the CEO at Blooming Inspired Network. And in case you don't remember, or this is your first time tuning in, Blooming Inspired Network is a community-based network for Christian women who are called to lead and we're all about helping them embrace their identity, um, who Christ is in them and who they are in Christ, as well as encouraging them to discover what they're passionate about, what's the desire of their heart, and what is it they need to commit to the Lord so that He can grant them that desire of their heart or their passion. Then we equip them for purpose and um, we empower and release them to go back and lead either in natural environments that they already have, such as their workplace, or maybe they have a place in their home church or their uh, a community-based organization that they, um, they can lead in, or we provide platforms for leadership as well. So that's Blooming Inspired Network in a nutshell. And... Um, and so this podcast is one of those those platforms and so if you're you're a woman who feels the call of God on her life to lead and um, you would like to know more about becoming a part of this podcast please message me um, send your message through blooming in, uh, through at blooming inspired on Facebook that's our website uh, that's our Facebook page and then also you can Check us out on our website, bloominginspirednetwork.com. Just um, in the menu up at the top, collect, connect with Contact Us, and you definitely will be able to catch us there. And so with that said, we're going to um, pray, and then we're going to dive right into our topic this morning. This morning, um, we're going to really focus in on being new creations. It says in scripture that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old nature is gone and the new nature has come. And so, um, so that's where I want to start this morning. And we will be in Romans chapter five, which says, so now you can see why Abraham's faith was credited. Oh, this is the end of chapter four. But it says Abraham's faith was credited to his account as righteousness before God. And today I'm reading to you from the passage translation. And this declaration was not spoken just about Abraham, but also over us. For when we believe and embrace the one who brought our Lord Jesus Christ back to life, perfect righteousness will be credited to our account as well. Okay, with that in mind, um, consider how that what that means about we can have an unoffended heart because when we believe in Jesus Christ, his righteousness becomes a part of who we are. Let that sink in for a minute. His righteousness becomes a part of who we are. Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. You know, he was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of all sins, not just our sins, but all sins sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See he died for the world's sins but only those who receive him and believe in him will have everlasting life. 
Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. This is chapter 5 and verse 1 where I want to live. This is talking about our new life. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. And all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. So let's pause right there and pray. Father God, as we begin to read this chapter of Scripture, I just pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to know. That the Holy Spirit would come and move and work in our hearts and convict us of the righteousness of Christ on our life. And that we would begin to live out of that righteousness and the love that you are. And that we would see your grace at work in our lives in such a way that we are extending that grace and that mercy to others all around us each and every day. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died on the cross. And I thank you that you rose him by your power on the third day so that we could live victoriously beyond our sin beyond the pain of life, gloriously declaring your truth that sets people free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You see, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares this flawless in his eyes. And as I said, I'm, I'm reading from the Passion Translation this morning. And this means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus the Anointed One has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into His marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. You see, it is the marvelous kindness of God that gives us a perfect relationship with Him through Christ who lived a perfect life and was perfectly righteous. And now, if Christ and His Spirit lives in me, if, if, if God sees me through the veil of his son, that righteousness is imparted to me. I'm cloaked in it. In other places, it says we are his righteousness. Verse 3, verse, I'm having trouble seeing that. Verse uh, 3 says, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us a patient endurance and patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Remember yesterday we talked about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? And it says God's joy is bursting forth within us and that hope is not a disappointing fantasy. You see, in this understanding, and we're going to get to grace is greater than sin here in a minute. 
But in this understanding, if we really understand it, we grab that thing that I caught from, from my friend Bob, as I talked about it before. Um, that thing that I caught from my friend Bob when I, I heard him teaching on God's grace is what it is. You can't outsend it. You can't lose it. It's a, it, all you can do is accept it because it's a free gift. And then if that grace is at work in me and that's what I extend to other people, this is what this is about. You see, even when the trouble comes, we can have joyful confidence. How many times have you had joy in the trouble? See, joy is a key. Because when my confidence is in God, I can have joy in that confidence. And I can celebrate because I'm experiencing God's glory in my life regardless of my circumstances. And that when we, we pursue this joyful confidence and we celebrate that the glory of God is being revealed in our life because of the righteousness of Christ, we know that those pressures that will create in us patient endurance or resiliency, right? And patient endurance will refine our character. It will build in us integrity and character familiar to the the character of God and proven character leads us back to hope and hope is not a disappointing fantasy this is a good word right because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us for when the time was right the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless weak and powerless to save themselves what if we viewed people that we see caught up in lifestyles of sin, not with a judgment that they are sinning, though they are, but we viewed them with a, a passion to demonstrate Christ's love for sinners, recognizing that they are entirely helpless, entirely weak, and entirely powerless to save themselves. Now who of us, this is verse 7, would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? You see, that's where we trip. By, by nature, by our, by our nature at birth, human beings are selfish by nature. We are focused on ourselves. The will to live is probably one of the strongest wills one of the strongest features of our will that there is. You see, we can understand, this is verse 8, we can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. So if, if we can somehow turn our judgment into compassion and passionate love for sinners... And win their hearts to Jesus. 
then this applies to them too. You are now righteous in my sight, and because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. It should be the passion of a Christian's wife to ensure that no person that they know ever experiences the wrath of God, that they would only experience the loving kindness of God that leads them to repentance. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Something greater than friendship belongs to us. Wouldn't we want to give that away? Now that we are at peace with God, and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? So, Salvation and Christ's righteousness empowers us to overcome the dominion of sin on our lives. We no longer have to live as slaves to sin. Now, I know we'll be tempted to sin, and I know there'll be times when we sin, but the key to overcoming is taking those thoughts captive when they come and confessing them to God quickly so that he can cleanse us, as 1 John 1, 9 says, of all unrighteousness. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living in harmony with God, all because of Jesus Christ. And verse 12, here, here, here's where we start. When Adam sinned, the entire world was infected. Sin entered human experience and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, causing its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. Sin was in the world before Moses gave the written law, but it was not charged against them where no law existed. Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses, even though they hadn't broken a command the way Adam had. The first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. You see, the magnitude of grace on a person's life far outweighs the sin that they may commit, that they have committed, that they commit now. What if we really believe that's true? What if we grabbed a hold of that? It's true that many died because of one man's transgression, but how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because that of what one man, Jesus the Messiah, did for us? What if we, we really grabbed hold of that? And this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because... Of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. But this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words, not guilty. See, we're not guilty because we didn't do anything wrong. We're guilty because God had grace in his heart towards us, and mercy in his heart towards us, and Jesus took what we deserved. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, 
How much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah? In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to all. One man's disobedience opened the door for all of humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience opened the doors for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. And just as sin reigned through death, so also the sin-conquering grace will reign as king through righteousness, imparting eternal life through Jesus our Lord and the Messiah. See, we're supposed to be grace-loving people. Grace-loving people towards others. We should love mercy towards other people. I can think of a time when my prayer was, Lord, have mercy on them and give me peace to accept your will. And, and it was over the life of my son. He had been troubled. We had spent the last year of his life dealing with CPS and the police and... Um, he was arrested. He was on probation. Uh, he, was, he was just traveling a very difficult road. He had been diagnosed bipolar and ADHD and um, at 17 was out with friends one afternoon and they were in a car accident and he was in the hospital for eight days in a coma after the accident with a very severe head injury. He had to have one kidney removed because it severed the artery to his kidney in the accident. The lacerated liver, he had crushed vertebrae in his back, his neck, and his, uh, uh, just throughout his back. He was, he was very, very damaged. And Justin had, had, I mean, his heart towards God was that he wanted God to make him better. But at the time, we didn't have what I know today. And so the hope was that he would be a better. But the reality was things were kind of not great at our house. Um, they were rough. He would have violent rages and he would have... Um, serious depression and he would have just moments of clear brilliance as well in there but you never knew what you would get and so as he lay in that hospital bed for eight days and I watched his condition grow progressively worse um, my heart cried for mercy what does mercy look like for him, God? I 
I had two prayers actually. I asked him for mercy and peace for me. And then I asked him to um, make it clear what his will was. And so on that eighth day, well, on the seventh day, there were some indications that his brain swelling, um, that he was going to be brain dead. And so um, I finally got a hold of the doctor, the neurologist's office, and they sent someone over the next day to perform a brain test a brain test to see if he had blood flow to his brain. And so they shot him full of this radioactive dye and then they ran scans on him. And it took all day. I mean, at one o'clock, the chief of that floor came to us and told us that it was pretty clear that Justin was no longer with us. So we were preparing our hearts for that when we went back in, all were in the room and praying and I remember my father praying so passionately, Lord, would you use your mighty power to bring Justin back to us? And the doctor comes in and he says, the, the radiologist saw something in the scans. He wants another scan. So it's going to be a little longer before we have a final decision. And so, um, so Jesus comes along in my heart and he just gives me peace I want to know I'm pacing that floor wanting to be there when my son comes back but I have this peace of God in my heart that whatever comes that we are good and so I uh, I stand on the promises of God and, and and I'm contending for his life and I walk into his room at about 430 that afternoon and the monitors have this number up there on the and and that number had been up over 120 before they took him for his scans it's normal between 7 and 10 and his was 16 and i just had this moment where i said god you've made it sure either he's fully with us or he's fully gone but either way you've made it sure and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you in this moment. And about that time, the nurse came in with the chaplain, and she said, I was trying to get back here before you got here. We lost him somewhere on the, the way back upstairs. And they, his brain had hemorrhaged, and so he was no longer with us at that point. God made it sure there was no doubt, because that radiologist saw something in that skin. And he had a rough run of it. I mean, Justin wouldn't have had a life in a broken body short of a miracle of God. And it's not that I didn't believe God could perform the miracle. But would his life have been amazing? He had already done all these things and was facing the consequences of them. And I was pretty sure that we were going to lose him in a prodigal journey. And... And, and now he was going to have to live his life dependent on, um, on us, on others, to take care of him. And that's just no kind of life for him. He loved being active. He was 
you know, the bull in the china closet when he had to be pinned up inside. He loved to be outside. He loved to be doing things with his hands. And if he couldn't do those things, the mercy looked different for him. And I remember very clearly when someone gave me Isaiah 52, where it says that um, God takes the righteous early to spare them an evil that is yet to come. And, um, and so... Uh, yeah, so I believe it was a severe mercy, but it was mercy that took my son home on August the 23rd, 2005. And today I say we sent him home for safekeeping. He's been there, oh, it'll be 13 years this August. And, uh, and can I tell you, God is good to have delivered me from the sorrow and the anguish of death and returned joy to me. And I'm grateful for where Justin is. And I'm grateful that God's glory can be declared in our story. You see, death once held us in its grip. But how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of the perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. So, what if my heart is not offended by death? What if my heart is not fearful when things don't turn out the way I want them to? What if, what if disappointment doesn't reign in my life anymore? How much more can I express the glory and the righteousness of God's perfect gift of grace than when my heart does not become offended because I didn't get what I wanted? You see, we all deserve death. We all want mercy. We've all received grace if we're in Christ. You know, yesterday I said something. I said um, that, that the Holy Spirit, when He comes, and this is John 16, 8, He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. You see, and, and that's the NIV, but um, in the King James, here's how, how it reads. And when he is come, the Holy Spirit, he come, he will reprove the world of sin, come, and of righteousness, come, and of judgment, that judgment which is to come, the New Living Translation says. Now catch this with me. The world concerning sin. And then he's going to convict of the righteousness of Christ. And then he's going to convict of the coming judgment. He, it, the conviction of the Holy Spirit it's not given to us so that we'll feel bad about what we did. It's so that we will deal with it quickly so we can step into that righteousness and be free of that judgment that is coming one day. You see, when our stuff is burned up before him, we want crowns that we can throw back to him and that's going to be our reward. But we have an inheritance of righteousness that we can walk in now.
And the way to those rewards is righteousness. I heard somebody the other day say um, that when we get to heaven, that we'll have on our crown and we'll stand before God and we'll throw it on the ground. And, and scripture says that we will have crowns upon our head. And the, and, and, and the question was, how did we get crowns? And he said, well, we'll throw them on the ground and then God will pick them up and say, oh, look, he did it again and put it back on our head so we can throw it on the ground at him again. It reminded me of, of babies when they play, you know, and they're sitting in their high chair and they drop something on the ground. The first time they drop it on the ground, it might be an accident, right? But the second time they drop it on the ground, pretty sure they did that on purpose. And they giggle when you give it back. There's joy in this. There's, there's peace in this. There's, there's, there's a capacity to extend grace in such a way that it sets people free instead of condemns them. because make no mistake God judges sin and he will judge sin and anyone who is not found in Christ will be judged for their sins but we who are in Christ we will be judged on how we, we came up to the level of righteousness that is in Christ how when the call and the conviction concerning righteousness pulls us up, how we respond. How did we grow into the maturity of who Christ is in us? See, the key to living with an undefended heart is to live the way Christ lived. And if we have no understanding of the way he lived, we can't live that way. We have to know him. And the way we know him is by the character and nature that is revealed of him as the manifest presence of God who came in the form of a child who grew into a man and lived on this earth for 33 years. He is the second Adam. He came to redeem all of mankind from the consequences of sin and to redeem creation from the curse. So what keeps us from living in that redemption and then the full provision of what grace gave us? Our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. You see, that's what ruled in our life before Christ. Our ability to choose, our ability to think, and our ability to feel. Those, so when we're ruled by our ability to think, our ability to feel, and our ability to choose apart from God. There is no grace in it for us. And it makes us prone to judgment. But when we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and His righteousness, it's a call up. So my question for you today is how are you going to respond to the call up to the righteousness of Christ? 
Are you going to continue to excuse your sin because you see yourself as a sinner? When God sees you through the veil of righteousness that is His Son, Jesus, are you continue to judge? Now, I'm not saying that we don't examine fruit. And I do examine fruit. I do examine fruit. And I want you to examine the fruit of my messages, for example. I want you to examine it because I don't want you to take anything from me that's it's not from God. And so if it's about me, I want you to take it with a grain of salt. But if it's about Him, I want you to embrace it. If you test it and you find that it's good, hold fast to it. That's what Paul wrote in Thessal to the church in Thessalonica. Test everything and hold fast to what is good. Test the spirits. Now, I'm not winking at sin and I'm not making... Grace cheap. Sin is a serious thing. And you cannot persist in your sins because God will not be mocked. But this call up higher is to say, deal with that sin quickly so you can be that, that person who witnesses to other people. Who shares the message of Christ with the world. Because there's a dying and lost world out there that needs it. They do not need our judgment. They do not need our entitlement. They do not need to know what we think about their sin. They need an introduction to a Savior who is full of grace and full of mercy and will call them up to righteousness. And that is the gospel that Jesus shared. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And so I'm going to wrap our, um, our time today up a little early because I feel like this is a good place to press pause and let you ponder and read the scriptures for yourself. And don't just read it in the Passion Translation, but read it in the King, New King James and the ESV and the NLT and the Amplified and get the full weight of it. Do some word study on it. This is how I grew to love the Word of God because I began to dig, dig, dig deep into the things of Scripture and find Him there. And so I will always bring you Scripture. But let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done to spare us a death that is eternal. Would you impart your grace, your righteousness, your truth to us fresh today? through your Holy Spirit. And would you convict us where we err apart from you and call us up to the level of righteousness you would have us live? Would you make our hearts unoffendable so that we may be your love and your grace and mercy to a dying world? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. So we'll have another message tomorrow. Um, it will be up by 11 o'clock. And um, I'm so excited to share that message of, of truth and hope. And then we'll wrap up this week's messages on Friday at 11 as well. Be sure to visit us at bloominginspirednetwork.com. Send me a message through the contact us form or contact us by liking our page at Blooming Inspired Network and staying connected with us there. This message goes out on Blooming Inspired Network and on our website. So those are two ways you can find it.
If you have an interest in joining us as a wildflower or as a as a podcast host, or if you are interested in being a guest on my show, I would love to hear from you. You can definitely reach me in one of those two ways, and I'll respond as soon as possible. If you've already contacted me about being a host, I'm a little bit behind on getting my emails out. It's been a very busy week for me, but I will I will respond and I will send you out information as soon as I can this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that today is a very blessed day for you. For those of you here in the South who are experiencing our 100 degree heat, I pray that you stay cool and refreshed. And for those of you around the world, I just pray that the, the, the love and the mercy of Christ, including those here in the South, the love and the mercy of Christ would meet you where you are and call you up to a higher place with Him. And uh, with that said, I'm going to remind you that blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. And I want to encourage you to just step it out by faith and begin to embrace God for the impossible because he has so much more for you than you can ask, think, or imagine. Have a blessed day and I will be with you again tomorrow. So excited to be with you and share more of God's word. So have a blessed day. This is Michelle and I'm signing off.